0: This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 338. Today, CJ flies solo, talks about Teams domination, some news, and tells you to get off Office 2010. Recorded live December the 8th, 2019. A 99.9% SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, and maybe even a dinosaur attack. Does it protect you from yourself though? AvePoint Backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery from individual items to entire sites. AvPoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover any time you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why AvPoint is the Microsoft Cloud expert at www.avpoint.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Microsoft Cloud Show. I am Chris Johnson flying solo without AC this week. You've not had me the last couple of weeks, uh, I had a little bit of a break. Uh, I've been sunning myself down in sunny Mexico. It was literally 40 degrees Celsius difference between when I left Mexico just over a week ago and when I got back to the winter of Seattle. So it's a little bit of a shock for me. Hopefully not too much of a shock for you just having me on board. Thanks to AC for filling in and uh, flying solo while I was away. This week it's his turn to be away. So he is off on a two week journey, seemingly globetrotting around the world talking at a number of different conferences. I believe he was recently in Prague and really, really sick. So I feel bad for him. There's nothing worse than being sick when you're on the road, working and trying to speak at a conference. And I believe he ended up having to cut one of his sessions short or didn't present or something like that. I'm sure we'll hear the full story when it gets back. But yeah, I feel really bad for him being sick on the road. That sucks. This week he is heading to SP Fest. Chicago, I believe. So he's making his way back to the States and presenting in Chicago for heading home to Florida for the Christmas break and things. So um, we're thinking of you, AC. We're looking forward to having you back on the show. And to those who, of you who are listening, we will be back to our regular programming at some stage soon with both of us back on board. So stay tuned for that. Speaking of travel, I'm not going to do pics this week, but I just thought, hey, while I remember... If you're fans or you know of Stephen Colbert, you may have seen this already, but he went to New Zealand. So speaking of travel, Jacinda Ardern, the New Zealand Prime Minister, invited him down there a couple of times when she was on his show. He finally took up the offer. He went to New Zealand and she picked him up from the airport, as promised, showed him a little bit around Auckland and things, had a barbecue out of the back of their place. And he has a number of... Shows or clips, I guess, from being in New Zealand that I just thought I'd throw out there as a bit of an interesting pick. I know it's end of the show, I should say, but I really enjoyed them and thought you would too. So, um, link is in the show notes if you want to go check out Stephen Colbert bungee jumping and doing all sorts of Kiwi things. Seems like he had a great time. He seems to love New Zealand, <laughs> which uh, which is great. I guess it's really it's really nice that he's uh, giving New Zealand this. Uh, this visibility and things, but uh, looks like a fun trip. He even learned to play some rugby with some of the All Blacks, which pretty cool. While we're on the topic of YouTube videos, I was reminded the other day of a YouTube video. This is more on topic for the show than Stephen Colbert was, by the way. I was reminded of a old video clip on YouTube, or, or yeah, no, it's not a clip. It's a proper video on YouTube by Chad Fowler, who works at Microsoft, He came from the Wunderlist acquisition that Microsoft made and it was a really, really interesting guy. Now, he's got a talk from a conference called GoTo2015. It's called From Homogeneous Monolith to Heterogeneous Microservices Architecture. And I thought it was really interesting. I was reminded of this clip. Uh, I saw it circulating on Twitter. Somebody tweeted about it again. And I remembered the clip that I'd watched the first time and I just thought I'd share it. I thought it was really interesting. Now, the reason I... I think it's interesting is because a lot of people are considering moving to micro or many mini ba- mini service-based type architectures with the rise of Docker and Kubernetes and so forth. And so if you haven't watched this clip or this recording of his session, it's definitely worthwhile. He's got a very down-to-earth presentation style talking about how, how they worked with microservices at Wonderlist to drive their architecture. And I just think it's really fascinating. If you haven't seen it, definitely go and check it out. But this week, we have some news. I'm going to keep it relatively short. I'm going to keep it nice and concise. We've got some news and things to get through. But before we do that, let's hear from a couple of our great sponsors and we'll get stuck into it. For those of us familiar with Sharegate, we know they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now that we've all moved to the cloud, like me, you're probably thinking about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-serve environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, AKA sprawl. That's why the folks at Sharegate developed Sharegate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 group governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. Their super simple to use in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, AKA no more sprawl. Wanna get your hands on Sharegate Apricot? Try it free for 30 days at sharegate.com forward slash cloud show. Struggling to reproduce problems in your code base? Successful software starts with Raygun. Raygun provides application performance monitoring unlike anything you've experienced before offering greater clarity around how your software is performing for your customers than any other APM provider. Easily detect and diagnose issues impacting end users and monitor every part of your stack in one place. It's time to get back to building great software instead of fighting it. Start your journey to better software quality. Try Raygun free at raygun.com today. All right, welcome back. So news this week. I've got three or four different sections of news that I want to go through, the first of which is around Microsoft Teams. Now, if you haven't seen it, Microsoft recently announced that Teams has hit 20 million daily users, which is up 50% in four months. Now, that is interesting in a couple of respects, the first of which is Slack has started talking about its it's monthly or sorry it's daily active users and in last month it mentioned that it has 12 million daily active users a 37% increase to the prior year now why i think this is interesting is because if i were slack i wouldn't exactly be bringing a user count to a gunfight and the reason for that is i personally believe slack is a better product than teams still to the you know, to this day, I'm not sure if that will change in the future, but I still prefer and like Slack over Teams. But that said, you know, so they have a, I believe they have a better product currently, but that said, I don't think sort of talking about your user count is a great way to go head to head with Microsoft. And a couple of reasons for that. One, Teams is in a ton of Office 365 customers and it is only a matter of time, Slack, until teams, as they've recently just pointed out, surpass you in terms of user numbers. At which point, you can't really stop talking about your user count once you've started saying, hey, we've got X many daily active users and or monthly active users or whatever you want to call it. Once you start releasing numbers like that and you're a public company, then you're going to keep getting called on that and asked for more numbers each month or each week or whatever it happens to be, and you will never, ever hear the end of it. Microsoft is extraordinarily careful about when it talks about usage numbers for particular products because of this exact, for this very reason. So Slack came out and said 12 million daily active users, up 37%. This month, Microsoft Teams came out and said, we're now at 20 million. That's almost double Slack's, so I mean, not quite, but, you know, pretty close and that they're, that they've gone up 50% in 4 months. Now a little birdie tells me that Teams usage is absolutely hockey-sticking right now. And that's obviously for a few reasons. One, customers are starting to deploy it. They're getting it in Office 365 as part of their, you know, E3 or E5 or whatever they have. There's a free SKU for te- of Teams as well. And there's also the big looming Skype for Business deadline that is looming for Skype for Business customers which is obviously pushing a bunch more Teams usage. And I I firmly believe that we're only beginning to see the start of that hockey stick uh, in terms of Teams adoption and usage from Microsoft. I personally don't believe Slack has a hope in hell of competing on daily active or monthly active usership. And they should just take one for the team right now and bow out of ever talking about their numbers again because it's never going to stack up and look good against Microsoft's. So what did they do? Well, there was an update to this article where Slack has come out and said, and I quote, as we've said before, you can't transform a workplace if people aren't actually using your product. Slack continues to see unmatched engagement on our platform with 5 billion weekly actions, including 1 billion mobile actions. Among our paid customers, users spend more than nine hours per workday connected to our service, including spending about 90 minutes per workday actively using Slack. Well, Slack, I hate to tell you, but if you didn't learn from spilling the beans about your daily active users, maybe you'll learn from talking about your weekly actions or mobile actions or minutes using your service, I suspect Microsoft will come out in due course, and take you head on with these numbers again. I just just stop, honestly. like You're going to get crushed on usership. Don't try and compete on usership. I don't think it's a very good idea, would be my advice. So, anywho. Right, so, Microsoft Teams hits 20 million daily active users. Little birdie tells me that is going crazy, and we will see the march of progress with Teams adoption over the next 12 months 12 to 24 months going absolutely and utterly crazy if uh, word on the street has it correct. So Slack is in for a interesting and rough ride if they keep talking about their numbers like that. Some other teams news. Stack Overflow have a new integration with Teams. Knowledge sharing and information discovery just got easier with our Microsoft Teams integration. So apparently you can stay in the tools you love best and ask questions you love best, I assume they're talking about Teams there. Oh yes, yes they are. And using a Teams bot to get stuff quickly answered from Stack Overflow. So more integrations coming to Teams, which is a good thing actually. One of the things I noticed moving from Slack to Teams was the not just the lack of integrations, there were definitely a lot less, but their quality of the integrations as well was quite a bit different. So I'm really glad Teams are focusing on getting more integrations that people want. I don't know if Stack Overflow is one of those, but hey, it certainly can't hurt, right? Okay, so that's Teams. Now, moving right on to some development topics, GitHub has apparently released an iOS app after 11 years. (laughs) That's a nice little jab, isn't it? Yes, GitHub has 40 million registered users, up about 43% from when Microsoft announced its $7.3 billion acquisition, And they have finally released an iOS app. I'm not entirely sure what you could do with your GitHub iOS 11 app. I'm not sure if it's reviewing pull requests or code reviews. I mean, I haven't really looked into it all that much. I can imagine getting notifications from GitHub and things like that would be pretty useful. So nice to see them putting some effort into that for users. Although I don't believe I'll be doing code reviews on my iPhone anytime soon. Now, uh, speaking of partnerships, well, I guess GitHub's not technically a partnership for Microsoft, is it? They own it. So I guess uh, moving on to some partnerships, Facebook and Microsoft are partnering on remote development. Apparently, Facebook has adopted Visual Studio Code as the default development environment at Facebook and uh, teaming up with Microsoft to help enhance their remote development extensions. I guess this is to allow working with developers on the other side of the globe or around the world a little easier. But really, this article, is up. it's up on the Facebook for Developers blog, and they actually talk about some interesting things. They talk about why they picked Visual Studio Code, about being cross-platform, well-defined extension APIs that let them build their own extensions and all that sort of stuff. And then they talk about enhancing this remote development experience Across their workforce and things like that, which is pretty interesting. So, I guess this is just a sort of another notch in the belt for Visual Studio Code and how well it's doing being adopted by various companies. And it's great to see like companies like Facebook participating with Microsoft to make it even better. I really love it. I think a lot of people really are enjoying VS Code. Microsoft have done a really nice job of it so far. So good, and uh, it's getting the adoption it deserves. So. Well done, Visual Studio Code, and um, great to see Facebook adopting it. Now, on to some Azure news. This one is a little curly. This one, this first article, I came across while I was sitting on the beach in Mexico, I believe, and bookmarked it for later pontification. But it looks like Salesforce have gotten over Microsoft buying LinkedIn and are getting back into bed with Microsoft. So there was a period of time when Microsoft and Salesforce were sort of courting each other and it wasn't too long after Steve Ballmer stepped down from the CEO ship at Microsoft and Satya took over and they were getting on swimmingly. In fact, Benioff and Satya would hang out, there were some announcements, all sorts of good stuff. And then Microsoft bought LinkedIn. And that, I understand, really, really pissed off Mark Benioff. He was in the running to buy it. Such a swooped in and stole it from underneath his nose. And the two stopped getting along quite so well, apparently. But now, they've come out and said that Salesforce will be deploying its marketing cloud service on Microsoft's Azure public cloud infrastructure. Now, what's interesting about this is Salesforce already use AWS and Apparently they've planned to use Google Cloud Platform as well. Uh, I don't know how much usage is being used there, how much usage they're using there. But this is interesting because A, getting back into bed with Microsoft. B, you know, diversifying across clouds is uh, pretty interesting for a company like Salesforce. They are also, from my understanding, very heavy Oracle users. And you will have Maybe you will have heard in the news, we've covered it on the podcast before, about Amazon getting off Oracle and turning off their last Oracle database recently. And I can imagine Salesforce are probably trying to do the same thing. And so I imagine getting all the help they can from their cloud providers uh, of running their services in the cloud, being able to put different workloads on different clouds and using that to help drive cost savings is a huge... Benefit. they can, you know Salesforce could play the different cloud providers off against one another, for example, just on price alone if they're able to move things around. So apparently they're getting back into bed with Microsoft and saying, hey, they'll be across all three of the all three of the big clouds, so to speak. and they're starting with their marketing, uh, what do they call it the marketing cloud service, whatever that is. They've got lots of different pieces of software. And so, obviously, this is the marketing cloud service. Not the CRM system by the looks of it that you will probably know and either hate or love from Microsoft, but nonetheless, great to see a company like Salesforce getting stuck into Azure. Pretty nice indeed. Speaking of Microsoft Cloud and sticking with the Azure theme, Microsoft Cloud in Norway opens with availability of Microsoft Azure. Today, they're announcing the availability of Azure from our new cloud data center regions in Norway. So if you're keeping up with the march of the cloud wars, cue the Star Wars Imperial March music. Microsoft have been ripping in terms of getting more data center coverage in more parts of the world and really using that as a key differentiator against companies like Azure, especially in the enterprise space. I don't know about you, but... In my day job, I run a number of cloud applications or work as part of a team that runs a number of cloud applications. And we often get requests from customers of, hey, can you run your cloud service in?" and then in little angle brackets, insert my part of the world that I really care about, right? It could be anywhere. And I've got to tell you, being on Azure, being an Azure customer and being an ISV that runs our cloud services on Azure It is really nice when you get a question from a customer that says, hey, can you run your cloud service from, let's just arguably say Norway in this case, and I can turn around and go, yes, yes we can, and um, that makes me feel good inside. And that would be a real differentiator to, you know, if I had to go back and say, unfortunately we can't do that because of XYZ and our infrastructure providers are not there or what have you, that would really suck, so... I personally love the flexibility of having Azure in a bunch of different places. Microsoft obviously recognized that for enterprise customers too. And the march of progress continues, Norway being the latest and greatest set of regions that they're opening up. Anyway, so they talk about some companies that they're using in these different regions and so forth, and how they're bringing the complete cloud to Norway. The new cloud regions in Norway connect with Microsoft's 54 regions. Crikey, they're getting up to a lot. They've got 130,000 miles of terrestrial fiber and subsea cable systems. This is one of the really interesting things that not a lot of people know about Microsoft, that, you know, you think of the internet as the public internet, but companies like Google and Microsoft and Amazon have these, like, unreal, in terms of its scale, private networks that connect all their data centers and all that sort of stuff. So when you hit, say, for example, Office 365 page, right, maybe you're surfing to your Outlook Web Access or something like that. When you connect with one of those pages, chances are the traffic that you generate hitting that page will go into a Microsoft Ingress location location reasonably close to you, you'd hope. And then once it's in the Microsoft network, it flies, right? It's much speedier to get you your page and your content and things. So, you know, this is important for, for speed and responsiveness. Even if your mailbox is in, you know, the US or something and you're in somewhere, you know, traveling, for example, and I don't know, Argentina or somewhere, chances are there's an ingress location relatively close to you and it makes a world of difference. So, um, yeah, Microsoft have... Huge network, hundreds of ingress points, I believe, and obviously a fairly large number of their own private cables and all that sort of stuff. So their data centers are growing, their network's growing and all that. That's great to see, all good for customers. All right, so that's the Microsoft Cloud opening in Norway. I've been to Oslo once, it was a really long time ago, and it was in winter, and it was really, really cold, which is good for data centers, so easy to keep cool, Right, now Microsoft, speaking of being faster than AWS, Microsoft has come out with a blog post saying, faster and cheaper, SQL on Azure continues to outshine AWS. SQL server on Azure leads in price performance too. So there's this blog post, I don't know if you run SQL workloads in Azure virtual machines, for example, but apparently it's a pretty popular option, they say in this article. Uh, And there's lots of customers doing that themselves. And so it talks about the price benefits of doing so on Azure over AWS. And, you know, basically it's a, hey, you should move your workloads to Azure because we'll do it better and cheaper and faster and all that sort of stuff. Now, my understanding is that, uh, oh, they talk about things like Azure Ultra Disk, which is, you know, they super fast, high IOPS workload disk or disk workload for, for virtual machines, and how it compares to how it's superior to AWS and things. There are a lot of customers running workloads like SQL and Exchange and all sorts of stuff in AWS. And so, obviously, stealing those customers, or maybe not stealing, thats that sounds pretty harsh, but compelling those customers away from AWS is in Microsoft's best interest. Uh, and so, stacking up and showing comparatively that they can do it cheaper and faster on on Azure is obviously they feel like that can work for them to get them to lure them across. All right, so we've covered some teams, we've covered some VS Code stuff and GitHub stuff, we've covered some Azure stuff. We are going to take a quick break, talk to one of our fantastic sponsors, and be right back to talk about some Kubernetes things and some Office stuff. Are you being asked repeatedly to integrate different business systems in ever narrower timeframes and with increasing process complexity? What if you could standardize the way you build these business processes so your team are focusing on higher value tasks versus the nuts and bolts of running the processes and integrations? Nintex can make it happen. With a Nintex platform, workflows from person to person, system to system, to the cloud and back. Got a custom system you want to connect with? No-code extensions let you plug into systems simply and easily using REST and Swagger. With Nintex, work just flows so your teams can work smarter, work faster, and be more connected than ever. Try it out free for 30 days at www.nintex.com forward slash try Okay, welcome back. Thank you very much for listening to our sponsors. Sponsors are a key part Of keeping this show running. We really appreciate their support and you supporting them in turn to keep this show on the air. So thanks again to all of our sponsors on the show. Now, on to AKS or Azure Kubernetes Service. For those of you who use Kubernetes, you will maybe know what an Ingress Controller is. And on Azure, we've had you know, great support with, it, with Ingress controllers to date, and it's all been very positive and all that sort of stuff. But on December the 2nd, the AKS team have come out and said that now application gateway Ingress controller for Azure Kubernetes service. So you can now use the Azure gateway as an Ingress controller for your AKS cluster. So it works much the same way as a regular Ingress controller would within AKS. But it says, and I quote, much like the most popular Kubernetes Ingress controllers, the application gateway Ingress controller provides several features levering Azure's native application gateway L7 load balancer, including things like URL routing, cookie-based affinity, SSL termination, end-to-end SSL, support for public, private, and hybrid websites, and integrated web application firewalls. So what this lets you do is shift... Some of the so, what an ingress controller does is basically control the ingress of traffic into your AKS cluster. So, for example, if you are running a website and an API, for example, inside Kubernetes, you need to route outside traffic into your pods that serve those workloads inside AKS. And you use an ingress controller to do that. A really popular one is Nginx, for example. What that does in the Nginx case, it deploys a pod inside Kubernetes and then ports get mapped and all that sort of stuff. And then your traffic flows through Nginx on the ingress to your AKS cluster. And then obviously the rules take over from that and it maps over to your pods behind the scenes and traffic flows back and forth. Now what this does with the application gateway is shifts some of the workload out of AKS and into the native functionality in Azure so that you can do things like SSL termination externally to AKS and stuff before the traffic goes into your AKS cluster, talks to the ingress controller inside AKS and then routes your traffic and so forth. So it's nice to have it integrate with some of the native capabilities in Azure like this to give you some of that sweet, sweet power. I imagine they talk a little bit about performance being great here and all that sort of stuff and working with some of the other Azure services like um, virtual machine scale sets and stuff. So we'll see, I'll have to dig into this more to get you know the ins and outs of it, but uh, really nice to see if you're using AKS in Azure, some of the improvements they're making. Right, so that's AKS. Now on to Office. The first one is about things going away out of Office. The second thing is about new things in Office. The first one, about things going out of office is, now, you may have to sit down for this because I know the news is going to be devastating, but support for Office 2010 is ending. Get current. I don't know if I need to say more than that. But Jared Spataro, who's a corporate vice president for Microsoft 365, has a blog post up back in November that talks about Office 2010 being basically end of life and end of support. Crazy, huh? Office 2010, in one year, on October the 13th, 2020, extended support for Office 2010 will end. 2020, October 2020. So that will be roughly, I guess, eight to 10 years from, or it must be 10 years, from when Office 2010 came out. If you're still using Office 2010, there's obviously enough customers that warrant Microsoft talking about the end of mainstream support, and they talk about how to get off How to move. Obviously their answer is to get onto Office 365 Pro Plus, which is the subscription-based version, the Office client applications and all of that sort of stuff. And they talk about a bunch new features since Office 2010 that you might enjoy. Things like co-authoring, for example. Anyway, I feel for you if you're still on Office 2010. I'm sure there's a bunch of it still out there. People take forever to get off this stuff. It's quite incredible. Don't fix what ain't broken, I guess, right? Well It's about to be broken if you run out of support, right? So definitely look at that. Okay, so that's what's leaving office, what's arriving in office. And I'll just start by saying I am far from an expert on this. And if this stuff really floats your boat, then I'm sure you'll already know about this but the new Microsoft Project rolls out to customers worldwide. So there is a new version of Project out, apparently. Maybe it's just the web version. I'm not entirely sure. It talks about a fresh new experience, including things like all the boards and grids and timelines and Gantt charts that you know and love. I guess bringing Project to a little more modern UI. I know I cringe when I say modern, but nice sort of visual refresh to it. Also, you know, collaboration. So you'd be able to, I imagine, like co-authoring and things like that. Being able to work together on on your project plans and all that sort of stuff. Pretty interesting. What else have they got here? Project inside of teams. Uh, co-authoring a project. Yes, uh, they show a screenshot here of co-authoring. That's pretty nifty. So being able to work on your Gantt charts together and figuring out how far behind you are in your project together is always fun. Power BI dashboards for projects. They talk about the extensibility in the platform. And oh, they talk about a new plan for all users. As part of this launch, we're excited to announce a new subscription plan, Project Plan 1. Uh, so it's a new subscription offering that you'll be able to uh, sign up. I don't have a price on that. I'll need to go look that up and take a look at it a little bit more deeply. Project is a huge business for Microsoft. It is a multi, I don't know if it's a $2 billion business, but it's certainly a $1 billion business for Microsoft. Billion with a B. It's a huge moneymaker for Microsoft. And you sort of forget about that often. I mean, it's a, massive, it's a massive business in and of its own right. In its own right, sorry. Oh, here we go. Project plan one starting at $10 per user per month. There you go. It used to be quite hard to get project. It, cost, it used to cost a bunch and you had to add it onto your subscription and It was a pain. So I guess they're trying to open it up for more users. Really nice. So, yes, that is uh, some project news. Now, with that, I'm going to wrap up on the news, call this one in the bag. It's a short show this week. AC will be back in the saddle in the next week or two. Hopefully he's over the black plague that he caught or whatever he got got hold of. Fortunately, he'll be in Florida and I'll be here so I won't be able to catch it off him. But I look forward to having him back in the saddle. I hope you've enjoyed a quick catch-up on news this week. Stay tuned next week. We've got more great stuff in store. And we will talk to you then. Cheers. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review on iTunes. Word-of-mouth recommendations are the most effective ways for us to grow the show. We'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as an MP3 or WAV file and provide a link so we can play your question on the show. Our theme music is brought to you by Keith Ritchie. For more information on Keith's music, head to music.krichie.com. You can subscribe to us in iTunes and Google Play Store by searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or via RSS at microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll also find show notes of each episode. You can also find us on Facebook searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or on Twitter at MS Cloud Show. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to our website and entering your email to interact with us, participate in upcoming interviews, and other cool